0: The Music and Musicians at the Royal Chapel, Episode 5 Lalonde, Master of Music, a Success Story. Michel-Richard de Lalande, the 15th child of a humble Parisian tailor, started out as a choir boy and was to rise to the heights of fame, becoming one of Louis XIV's favorite musicians and a leading figure in the world of French Baroque music. He took an increasing role with the king's music, working as composer superintendent of the music of the king's chamber and, notably, music master at the royal chapel. He rapidly became the undisputed master of the emblematic Grand motet He served the king of France for over 40 years, and according to his earliest biographer, Alexandre Tanvaux, Lalande gave to the church what Lully gave to the theatre, In other words, truly wonderful music. It all started in Paris. Lalande was born in 1657 and was enrolled in the prestigious Saint-Germain-L'Auxerrois Choir School in the capital's royal parish of the Louvre, no less. Musical performances were attended by the eminent figures and the school represented a source of musicians for the French court. Choir schools educated boys from the age of seven or eight, teaching music, Latin, and vocals, until their voice changed at puberty at around age 17 at that time, the young Lalonde, like his schoolmate Marin Marais, enchanted the audiences with his beautiful singing. Lalande also learned to play several instruments. As a child and young adult, his enthusiasm for study, it is said, was such that with his modest savings, he bought candles to continue with his beloved music at night, composing or playing instruments. François Chaperon, the music master at Saint-Germain-l'Auxerrois, bemoaned the departure of one of his star pupils. Lalonde's favorite instrument was the violin, and he cherished hopes of joining the Académie Royale de Musique, the orchestra of the Paris Opera. He was auditioned in the presence of its music director, Jean-Baptiste Lully, the foremost music master in Paris and at court, who had started producing his Tragedie en Musique, such as Cadmus et Hermione, Alceste, Thésée, and Attis. The foremost music master in Paris and at court, who had started producing his Tragedie en Musique, Cadmus et Hermione, Alceste, Thésée, Attis, etc. Lalande, however, was turned down. The young man was so upset that on returning home, he reputedly broke his violin and vowed to never play again. But he had other strings to his bow, and he turned to keyboard instruments, the organ and harpsichord. He approached one of his brothers-in-law, who recognized his talent, and promoted Lalande's compositions at his private concerts attended by music connoisseurs. Lalande then applied for the prized post of king's organist. This time round, Lully was impressed by Lalonde's consummate musical skills, but Louis XIV, while acknowledging his talent considered him too young. Lalonde consoled himself by working as organist for various Paris parishes, notably at Saint-Gervais Church, run since the 1650s by the Couperin brothers, Louis Charles, father of the future royal chapel organist François Couperin. Lalande also turned to teaching the harpsichord. He started giving lessons to the daughter of the Maréchal de Noailles, who recommended him to the king who was looking for a music tutor for his two daughters, with Madame de Montespan, Mademoiselle de Nantes, and Mademoiselle de Blois. Sire, you devriez vous attacher à ce Lalande. C'est un excellent maître qui enseigne à merveille à ma fille. This brought Lalande to the royal court where he worked for the rest of his life. He started composing motets in the spring of 1682 when the king moved to Versailles. The young musicians' compositions must have pleased the king because by the spring the next year, at the contest to recruit four new music masters at the royal chapel, he supported Lalande to take on the October to December quarter. Lalande now held one of the most prestigious musical posts in the kingdom, and before long, he charmed the ears and heart of the king who began to shower him with honors and gratuities. He rapidly replaced Lully as royal favorite. Twenty-five years separated the two musicians, but Lalonde only actually worked alongside Lully at court for four years, the latter dying from gangrene in 1687. Unfortunately, no details about how the two got on have survived. Lalande became wealthy enough to purchase several properties in Versailles. Proof of his rapid and extraordinary success is the fact that from 1689 Louis XIV asked his copyists to produce handsomely bound compilations of his favorite musician's motets for his music library. Lalonde's motets were so popular with both king and court that he soon combined key posts serving the king's music, his most important role being that of superintendent of the music of the king's chamber, and all this by age 32. His greatest success was with the royal chapel, where he quickly found himself alone at the top after the departure of the three music masters who had been recruited like himself in 1683. It all started with a scandal. In 1693, music master Nicolas Goupilier, who managed the January quarter, was sacked. For a while, he had been fraudulently claiming authorship of motets. He had actually been paying Henri Desmarais, a formal chapel choir boy and rejected candidate in the 1683 recruitment contest, to compose for him. When his payments stopped, Desmarais denounced the impostor. Probably hoping to inherit Goupier's slot. But one cannot offend the king and get away with it. Goupier was thrown out, Demeret ignored, and the post went to Lalande. In 1704, the music master Pascal Colas previously protected by Lully, resigned in order to focus on composing operas. His April quarter was also given to Lalonde. Then in 1714, it was the turn of Guillaume Minoret who ran the July quarter. He resigned, allegedly humiliated, when the king asked him to conduct during his own quarter a motet by the all-powerful Lalonde. Lalonde now held sway over the entire king's music. This prestigious position, personally backed by the king, aroused considerable jealousy, but Lalonde did not let it go to his head or become a despot, if his contemporaries are to be believed. The smallest compliment made him blush. He was of a descent and civil disposition, not unduly flattering, but always ready to recognize merit or rank when it was its due. Assiduous, perfectionist, and highly critical of his own work, Lalonde continually revised his scores, improving or changing them to suit current tastes until the day he died. Out of his 70 surviving Grand mottes, almost half have at least two, sometimes three or more, different versions. His celebrated Te Deum Motet, which was composed around 1684 and performed for much longer than Lully's Motet at state ceremonies and royal victories, has at least four known versions. Louis XIV noticed this irksome habit of his and reportedly even prohibited him from over editing his scores. <laughs> Louis XIV had great respect for his musicians, particularly Lalonde, as witnessed by an anecdote recounted by his biographer, Tanvaux. The year 1711 saw many funerals. Louis XIV lost his son, the Grand Dauphin, or Monseigneur, heir to the throne, and his only truly legitimate living son. This was followed by a catalogue of deaths which darkened the end of his reign. Lalande himself lost his two only daughters to smallpox in a space of 10 days. The king, encountering Lalande in a palace corridor, took him aside and, pointing to heaven, allegedly said, You have lost two worthy daughters. I have lost my Monseigneur. Lalande, we must resign ourselves to our loss. Throughout his years in Versailles, Lalande worked tirelessly, combining his duties as music master at the Royal Chapel with a heavy schedule as composer and his highly demanding post as superintendent, and he found little time to refresh the repertoire at the Royal Chapel. He was, after all, only human and no longer young. Following the death of Louis XIV during the Regency, he was gently relieved of his duties at the Royal Chapel. When the court returned to Versailles in 1723, three new music masters were appointed, Nicolas Bernier, Charles-Hubert Gervais, and André Compras, to run three of the quarters and remove some of his workload, but also to breathe new life into the music for the new young King Louis the Fifteenth. direct or indirect successors owe him and his innovative motets a great deal. On October 25th of 1722, an aging Lalande conducted at the coronation in Reims, whereupon the young king appointed him knight of the order of Saint-Michel. Lalonde's final years were relatively peaceful. He married again, this time to Marie-Louise de Curie, a musician and viola de gamba player who was to give him a daughter. He died of pneumonia three years later in 1726 and was buried in Notre Dame church in Versailles. Although no longer with us, the composer's presence is still felt in the royal chapel where his motets have achieved iconic status. Our journey in the company of the Royal Chapel musicians is nearing the end. The last episode will cover the destiny of the chapel and its musicians in the tumultuous wake of the Ancien Régime through the 19th century and up to the present day. Find out more about the Royal Chapel and the key figures in this episode on expodcast.cmbv.fr. Discover our archives, videos, interviews, and much more. A Centre de Musique Baroque de Versailles podcast in collaboration with the Palace of Versailles, narrated by Zachary Wilder, written by Suzanne Gervais, scientific expert Thomas Lecomte, and the production team Olivier Guérin, Pierre Monteil and Philippe Mercher.